All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you so very much for joining us here on the set again. We greatly appreciate every time that you tune in and those who follow the podcast on a weekly basis. Uh, Remember, wherever you're watching us from, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss anything going on on the set of Studio B. And also remember, wherever you access your podcast from, Pandora, Spotify, Google Music, iHeartRadio, whatever platform that may be, you can find Studio B be in that same vein. Uh, We are uh, fastly approaching the 10,000 subscriber mark. We just passed over 6,000. Remember, we're trying to get to that 10,000 mark by the end of the summer, which I know we can do. And we need your help in helping to spread the word of Studio B. So everybody, come on, jump on board and make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe and share this to all of your friends and family um, about what's going on on set of Studio B. Today, Today on the set of Studio B, we got two very, very special guests. Uh, Sunday before last, I think it was, when Travis gave his testimony. Correct. Right? Sunday before last? Uh, at the 11 o'clock hour, Pastor August, uh, senior pastor of the Church of Bethel's family, called this young man up at the 11 o'clock hour to give his testimony. I was actually in the children's ministry building. And we were watching it on the screen. And your testimony um, was, to say the least, very, very powerful. Mm. Um, I believe that your testimony, man, is going to touch people in a, in a very special way because God's got a story that he wants to tell through you. I have to my left and to my right uh, Mr. Travis Davison, Jr., Yes, sir. He's Junior, and he goes by the name of Lil Bag. Yes, sir. All right. And then we also have his mom to my right. Now, let me see if I can say it the way that you said it. Yeah. Alyssa. Alisa. Alisa Scott. Yeah. His mom. So welcome to the set of Studio B. How you guys doing today? Mm, good, and you? Great. Doing good? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Mr. Travis, I want to start with you, man. What's um, up? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, give us a little bit about Travis. All right. I was born in Abbeville, Louisiana, at Women's and Children's. And, um, man, I just, I'm a child of love. I'm definitely a child of love. I'm a love child. I just, I don't know, always just just wanted love, just gave love. Just that was always my best feeling. Like, And I hold on to that, like, very... I don't really let go. Like, once I love something, it's very hard for me to let it go. Like, even if it's not the right thing to love, it's just once I love something, it's hard for me to let go until God show me otherwise and take me through what he need to take me through to show me what not to love and what to love. You know, everything. But even though I still love everything, though, you know what I'm saying? I love bad, good. I love it all because I understand how it comes together and it can make something so beautiful. You know, it's, it's, it's beauty in the struggle. It's beauty in the struggle. It so, really is. So, so walk us through your life. How old are you right now, Travis? I'm 26. You're 26 years old, and you're from Abbeville, Louisiana, what we affectionately call here, or what Pastor calls here, the, the birthplace of Christ. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. Abbeville, if you, if you blink, you'll ride right through it. Yeah, uh, you it, sure it, will. It is not a very, very large town in it Louisiana. Sure but growing up in Abbeville, kind of give us a little bit about what that life was like for you. Man, growing up was Abbeville. It was fun, man. Just... 
I guess just because the community like so small and it's easy to get around every part of the city. And it's just like, it was just fun. Like, you know, it was just, you know, we was just children and just, man, we could get all over. My grandma used to tell me, not to go places, certain places, but the city's so small on a bike, man, I could go everywhere, go all over town, so I go everywhere. She tell me wouldn't she'll tell me not to go. <laughs> I was still going and it was just fun. It was fast though. It was fast, like you know, just young, just it was fast like getting into girls, getting into, you know, just watching, playing with guns, just you could yeah, it already like had a like a little a little sense of corruption just already as young that you know just being misguided you know but you don't know no better as a child mm -hmm. you know you look up to that and you think that's cool and that's what you want to do because you see the energy and you see the power and the respect and everything so like seeing that young like around me and the people the, the kids I was around that's what we looked up to because a lot of my friends, they fathers was dope dealers. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jack bought something in the street, and my father was a dope dealer too. So that's what, like, you know, that's what we grew up around, and just having all them, just just having a lot, and just just it being fun and just fast and just energetic, like that. It was just fun and just that's what we looked up to. Like, you know, that's what I looked up to. So, so Sister Scott, so. Kind of tell us and, and, and bridge a little bit about this, about, um, you know, the life in Abbeville. Um, from, from your perspective, what, what were you seeing in that time? Me growing up? Mm -hmm. Well, um, what can I say? I was always, we could walk up and down the street, which the kids can't do now. Like, we could take a walk, let's say, to what we call the front. And um, it was... It was safe. It was safe for us to walk around and go places. Um, what else? You want me to talk about Travis? Well, no, here's what I want. Okay. And, and everybody, I want you to, this is a free-flowing conversation, okay. everybody, because, um, you know, I've had several off-air uh, conversations with you and making sure that uh, when we came together um, that we really talked about uh, what would God, what is God doing in this moment? And yes. and th there's a lot of similarities that I connect with uh, Brother Travis on, and and I want I believe that we have an audience that can relate to that. So, I, and and I'm when I had the conversation with you, I wanted to make sure that if there were any things that were out of bounds um, that I was not supposed to touch, I wanted to know. But I want to get down into the into the weeds of Man, it all. You could talk about it all. That's what I'm talking about. That, yeah. that, that's what I'm talking about. So now, so Travis, tell us a little bit about. You know, when you're talking about the fast life of Abbeville, you know, I grew, um, you know, those streets um, promise a whole lot but deliver very little. Um, and there's a lot of people, especially right now in this generation in your age group. I'm 48. I'll be 48 this year. But there are people right now in your age group that have that exact same mentality by which you were just describing. Um, they don't look up to things or they look up to that thing in the neighborhood that they can see and say, man, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, man, and kind of, you know, what you were doing in those moments of your life and, and you know, what kind of roads were you traveling? All right. I'm going to just start like, okay, my daddy went to the feds when I was five. But before that, it was like, I just remember having so much fun. Like, it was just, 
It was always, you know, we was going places. We had money. It's like we never wanted for nothing. And it was just the people we was around. It was just, it was just fun. Like it was just energetic. It was good people though. You know what I'm saying? It was just, but I didn't really care about, you know, the material parts of it because I was too young to really understand that. You know, I just really liked my dog that we had. We had a pit bull named Kilo. Just my dog and my family, and that's really what I love. And, like, um, but I remember, uh, you know, like I, I said in my testimony, I remember right before my daddy went to the feds, you know, some people, some goons that broke into our house, you know, where at home invaded our house, you know, and kidnapped my little sister and uh, whatnot. And I was, I remember watching my daddy get uh, whipped with a pistol and stuff like that. So, all that, like, you know, I was experiencing all that, and that, that kind of traumatized me as a child, you know, because I, even as I got older, like, when I was, like, 17, just growing up, but before I go any further, let me say, when I, when my daddy went to the feds, and my mama, she, you know, she was trying to make a better life, I guess, from experience, all what she had experienced, so she came to Houston, and uh, me and my sister, we stayed with our grandparents, you know, just so my mama could kind of get on her feet. And, like, living with my grandparents, I was looking up to my uncle, my daddy's youngest brother. And I, he wasn't the best influence, like, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm sure he was hurt behind my daddy going to the feds, like, because all this was tied into it. And, like, just looking up to him. That's what I wanted to be like him. And plus, I really just wanted a father figure. Like, yeah, yeah. I just I just wanted that, like, you know, by missing him. And so, uh, man, just watching him and just, man, that's that just had me, like, on a, on a path. Just, like, I really thought that was, like, that was what I was supposed to be more than anything. Like, you know, I thought that was the way because yeah. that's all I really knew. Like, I didn't know nothing else, like, yeah, I go to my mama's mom and she'll bring us to church and go to church and and she used to say I used to love Jesus, but also growing up in the community, being a kid, plus having nothing but energy, wanting to go, you know, like I'm not ready to sit still. So like seeing all this, I want this now, like and just being hurt and like just having I had an anger problem when I was young, like anything could really like just like I just bust my bubble and just I used to fight a lot you know what I'm saying I used to just yell and going to school I wanted to be like cool I wanted everybody to you know you know just look up to me like so I cut up in class I made people laugh get kicked out of school like I was in the girls like real real young mm-hmm. wanted to have sex probably before I was five mm-hmm. like you know just just nasty, just freaky. Oh yeah, like that's good. Oh keep, it, keep, it real, real, keep it real, for real though. Keep it real. So you seen that growing up in your life, and that greatly influenced you. Yeah. So your dad being in the game, being in the drug game, you had them, you had the money, you had all of that stuff going on, and so from a very young age, that's what you ascribe to be. Yeah. And so t- talk about when you got out there, and and and, and like. As you were interacting into this world that you saw your daddy, and like your dad was bad, so that's how you got a little yeah, bad. Yeah. Right? So you wanted to emulate what you saw your dad doing. Yeah, they gave me that name. Like when I when I was uh, 17, and I, I really, like, was 16, I really jumped off the porch. I was selling weed. We stayed in the country in the outskirts with my grandma. And uh, at 17, 
that's when I got into Abbeville, to the city, into the slums. Like, I started selling crack. And when, like, everybody knew my daddy, you know what I'm saying, knew the, you know, he had a legacy. So when I started, when I started doing my thing, they started calling me Lit Bag. Mm. I never gave myself, that name was given to me. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So now when you, so you're 16, 17 years old, uh, getting heavy into this life, enjoying life at the moment. Right. It's yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Money coming in, living the life that you want to live. Now, as a mom, what are you feeling at this time as you seeing your 16 year old go in this direction? Well, um, he ha- he was coming back and forth from to Houston to Abbeville. You know, he come, he live in Houston. He cut up, he get put out of school. Uh, he even had to come over here to Bethel's family and do uh, community service one mm-hmm. time because he had got into trouble. And uh, he was just always getting suspended or, you know, getting put out. And I remember one day um, I had went somewhere. And when we came back home, I could smell weed. And I was like, Travis. And he got to be like, what, 15, 14? Yeah. I could say, I say Travis. No, at the time I was like 12. I'm like, what is that smell? And he's like, uh, I was cooking some bacon. I say, cooking some bacon? I looked around the kitchen. Well, how you was cooking it? I don't even see a pan or a pot. He said, I was cooking it with my hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was full of that weed. I didn't know what to say. I was scared, but my heart dropped. Well, I went into the bathroom, said I had to use it, started laying on the floor, felt like I was about to pass out because I think she had popped me, and then I ran <laughs> to the bathroom. <laughs> but that's when I found out really that, okay, this bar is smoking weed. You know, mm-hmm. he's doing things like that. And um, it wasn't long after that it was time for his dad to come home uh, to be released. And then he wanted to go back to Abbeville uh, to be, you know, around his dad. And um, when I would hear about Travis, you know, every time I talk to Travis, he's just sweet. You know, he just... Love me, this and that. But I would hear, you know, from everybody else what Travis is doing. I'm like, what, Travis, what are you doing? You know, slow down, this and that. My mama be okay. Mama, I got this. It was always my mama be okay. Mama, I got this. But I know he didn't, I couldn't make him come back to Houston. I knew that, you know, he was at the age. I couldn't do anything about it, you know. So it's really nothing I could do. I was just heartbroken at hearing everything that he that was going on. So, so Travis, so now you are a 16, 17-year-old. You're, you're in the game. You're doing this stuff. You're, you're getting some names, some notoriety. And so when you're talking about that street life, and, and, and pardon me because everybody, um, you know, I have a heart for this younger generation, and sometimes, um, you know, they look at the generation above them and say, y'all don't know what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Right. So having somebody in the generation that you're speaking to mm-hmm. to provide wisdom and insight helps because those of us who are outside of that generation now can't directly speak to them. And I told your mom when we spoke a few days ago that I live the life of taking the aha moments away from people. I just kind of tell it all. My wife even tells me a time that I tell too much, but I just believe <laughs> in, in, in just telling it all because there are no embarrassing moments in my life. You know, I did stuff that I wasn't supposed to do, go places that I wasn't supposed to go, but all of that got me to the place to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. So there are no embarrassing moments in my life because hear this, uh, God knows it all anyway. 
Like God already knows what you've done, what we've all done. And so, it, but the Bible says that we overcome the, the, the enemy by the word of our testimony. Mm. And that means going down into the depths so that people can hear it because there might be somebody that is headed in that same direction. Yeah. And hearing what you say about this situation could help them to turn. Mm-hmm. So as you're in this, in, in this life, there is something that changed life forever. Yeah. Okay, walk us up to that point to when the accident happened. All right, let me tell you, okay, when I was 17, like I said, um, you know, we had got home invaded when we was young. So when I was 17, it's like, I don't know, growing up with that and plus watching my uncle, because my uncle was more of a jack boy, and plus he was on drugs. So yeah. just that wildness, like I just... That's that's what I started turning into. So when I was 17, we got into a little incident where I did my first home invasion. And the thing about it, I was with two older dudes, and I was 17. They was like 18, 19. But I was the one that really was the mastermind behind it because, like, I don't know. It's like I really want a revenge from them doing that, like, growing up. Like, so we had got into it with some other dudes, and I decided to pull my home invasion but we did it so dumb, being so stupid. Like, I remember telling the dudes, I was like, man, listen, we need to go in with masks because I like these dudes know us. And just so happened, it was a last-minute thing. We were supposed to get a, a rock rental. You know, that's a crackhead car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were supposed to get a rock rental. And, like, the times we couldn't even get to it, so we got it at the last minute. So by getting it at the last minute, and I remember my sister, we almost didn't go because I remember we couldn't get the car. And I remember my little sister and my grandma was coming to pick me up. And uh, they was just about to turn on the road. As soon as they was about to turn on the road, we got a call that was like, man, we could get the car to you. So I told them to go home, never mind. And they was about to, they, they could have saved me from this, but so I was like, never mind, just go home. So we get the car. We don't have no mask, no nothing. We just go in there, bad face, stupid. <laughs> Dudes, noise and everything. I'm talking about after we did that, the next morning I get a call from my daddy. And it was like, man, what? Like, man, them people done ran to my grandma's house looking for me. And I was like, man, we had sh- I shot out, went to Texas people on the Greyhound. We was on the news and everything. I was scared. I was scared. And this it, is when you were 17. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So we was on the news. I remember I go to he my mom. He ran mama, over here. But really, we was about to go past my mom's house. Dallas. We was on the run. We was going to Dallas. But something just happened. I don't know. I guess it was God. I ended up stopping in Houston, going by my mom's house. As soon as I went by my mom's house, they showed me. The website, my face on the news. Mm-hmm. I listened to my mama talk. Boy, she got to me. She made me turn myself in. <laughs> That's what got to me. Wow. After that, that changed so everything. you got him to turn himself yes. in? Wow, yes. Yeah. I was so scared. I was so nervous. Whenever he got to the bus station, I couldn't even go get him. I sent my oldest daughter to go get him. I mean, I was so terrified. I say because if they, they catch him, they might kill him or something mm. like that, you know? So I was like, Travis, just go head on. Just please, just go turn your Self in and he, wow. he went. Yeah, so I ended up going to, uh, I went to jail for like, like I think three months, but I, I was still like considered a juvenile. So what they did was my mama, I think it was y'all got a law, Harold Register. Yes. Y'all got my lawyer. They paid for me a paid lawyer. 
And um, he had got me because I told him my alibi was we was full of drugs. See, it really was it really was supposed to be an armed robbery. You know what I'm saying? But when we was going to turn ourselves in, I think my daddy was bringing us. Yeah, my dad had bought us to turn myself in. It was me and another dude that, because uh, it was three of us, but only me and, and one of them had came to Texas. So me and him was going to turn ourselves in. And they didn't know the other dude. So our alibi was we was full of Zambars and we went in there fighting mm. and we took our stuff. But they really had a gun involved. So uh, so we went and you know they interrogated us and I you know I stuck to my story. Come to find out, not a dude I was with, he ended up telling, and I didn't know that you know. So because when we go to the parish, they separate us. Mm. They don't put us in the same spot for us to talk. So uh, so yeah, we go in the parish for a little while. They end up coming get us like I think a week later, and they was like, uh, well at first they had my dad and my sister in the uh, interrogation room before they interrogate us. So my daddy, like, you know, like, man, you should, uh, you know what I'm saying? You should do the right thing and tell and all this. So I look at him. I'm like, man, I don't even say nothing but in my mind. I'm like, man, you just did 10 years in the Fed not not ratting. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I looked up to that even though because wow. he, he wasn't no rat. And you couldn't say that about my daddy, so I took pride in that. So, so you I'm, took pride in the fact that your dad wasn't a rat. Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. And I still do to this day because I understand when you choose that life, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to be in that, be in that. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, you know what I'm saying? Once you a rat, man, that's that's something you can't really like. You can't right your wrong. The only way you can right your wrong is just changing your life and going to God. Mm. But if you still in that life, man, once you a rat, man, you can't. Yeah, you can't make that right. Wow. Yeah, the only way you make that right is changing your life and going to Christ. That's the only way you make that right. Before us living in that life, oh, that's over with. So I took pride in that, and I just looked at him. So I was like, man, and he was like, they already know who the other person is. I'm like, what, who? He was like, woo-de-woo, said his name. <laughs> and then I was like, man. So it didn't all register at the time. So he was like, man, just do what's right. So I was like, all right. I, I was like, I'm going to do what's right. So what I did was I wrote a statement, and I still lied on my statement. So I was like, man, we went in there, and we just went in there and fighting. And we took all the stuff. I ain't never mentioned nothing about, you know, they having a weapon involved. Mm. You could get my statement to this day and see that. So, uh, so uh, but when you get, you know, you get your discovery, it tell everybody's statement. So the other one, the one I went on a uh, run with, when I went to my mama's house when he came back, he told it all. <laughs> yeah, he said everything. Yeah, he said everything. So, uh, and that was my best friend. But I didn't know that until like kind of after we got out. So once I found out he did that, I cut him off. Like you know, I ain't you know I ain't really have no words from no relationship because I was still in that type of life. But I went to the parish for like two months. And then I end up going to, uh, they got me to go to a rehab for a month because the thing was, I was full of drugs. And so, like, you know, I, and so that's what they, that's what my lawyer used it at. And so, like, I ended up getting a bond. I think my bond was like 100000 at first. Mm-hmm. And then they bond reduction, they dropped it to fifty, And we still couldn't get out. And they were supposed to bring me. The parish was like after two months, they were supposed to bring me to the rehab, but they didn't. 
So uh, my lawyer got it to where I got another bond reduction of like twenty five, twenty five thousand. So you need like twenty five hundred, three thousand. And my people ended up bonding me out, and they brought me. My grandma, I remember going to my grandma's house, and they brought me to the place. So Travis, you're seventeen years old right now. Mm-hmm. You you you've been arrested for home invasion. Yeah. And you're in that life, 16, 17 years old. This is what you know. This is what you're getting heavenly involved in. Now, what was the lesson learned after that? Did did something else happen? Did you did the light bulb come on and say, hey, this ain't for me? Well, I'm going to go another direction? Well, no, look, the story continues. So when I once I finish the rehab and I go home, you know, I'm well, what I did first was, yeah, I went back into the streets. So I started hustling, you know what I'm saying? I'm out. And it's like, I remember, man, oh, I got a girlfriend. I met a girlfriend, and then I went live with her in New Iberia. And so uh, I stayed with her, but that really wasn't on the right path. That was a crazy relationship. Man, I was with them. They had me stealing TVs out of Walmart. Oh, Jesus. All kind of stuff. Like, so that was crazy, too. But I wasn't in the streets. I was really with them, but I still wasn't doing no right. So, uh, I man, she was just so crazy. We used to, like, I remember what broke our relationship up was she was supposed to like, call somebody, call a few people to come, like, jump me, come beat me up. And I was like, man, this is over with. But this did this kept going on with her. So after that, it was just too much. So I went back to Abbeville. I started back hustling again. Now, this is the week where my lawyer, my lawyer, like when he get my plea agreement, at first, the first plea agreement I got was five years hard labor. Now, home invasion is an aggravated charge, so you had to do 85%. So I thought that was good. So I was like, well, you know what? Cause no, I think my first agreement, my first plea was 10 years. So he was like, we're going to get it down. So when he came with five years, I was like, man, I'm going to take that. I'm going to go ahead and do that, do them four years and get that over. He was like, no, man, this your first offense. We could get you something better than this. I know we can. I was like, okay. So he got me five years probation. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I took that. So the week I signed to get my probation, that same week, Man, I was on East Oak, the street where I used to hustle at. And one of my partners had just told me the day before that, well, matter of fact, the dude who I who I talk about in my song, Still Here, Buster, mm-hmm. he had went to jail. So when he went to jail, I was broke. I remember I was full of that drink. And I woke up looking on Facebook and seeing him in jail because this was my main man. This is who I ran with all the time. So I'm like, man, I'm really thinking like, man, I got to get some money and get dude out. And then one of my older partners who I used to, you know, get game from, used to be around, he like, man, don't go out there. It was, matter of fact, I think it was a Tuesday. You know on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you better watch me for real, though. So it was a Tuesday. He was like, man, don't go out there. I still went out there being hard-headed. So, man, I remember going up to this great truck about to serve him, these Mexicans. Next thing you know, man, it's like I was trying to tell them to hurry up. They, I don't know if they couldn't speak English. I kind of felt like it was a setup because the way they was talking, like, oh, this is not enough or whatever. I was like, man, come on, man. It's hot. Take this. Man, next thing you look, I look, I see the nitro. That was a task uh, they was driving. Man, I look, boy, my heart dropped. So I tried to slowly just walk off. 
and back into the grass and I had my rocks in my hand and I remember I walked into the gravels and I threw my rocks and I just tried to play it off like I wasn't doing nothing so I stopped man and people came straight for me started looking in the ground started picking up my rocks that was the week I just got on my probation so after that I went back to jail for like three months, end up getting a um, end up getting a probation bond. They gave me a probation bond after three months. I bonded out, but I end up my probation that got revoked. So I had to go back to jail. I had to go to court, but then not after that. I went on the run for a few months, and I remember going to jail. It was like four o'clock in the morning. I was going by a little female house, and uh, man, as soon as I was about to get by a house, she didn't answer her phone. Then I seen the uh it was a GMC truck. It was another Taz. His name was Elliot. He pulling up. And so I knew, man, I tried to play it off. And they knew I was in my little sister car, Lil Ultima, and they knew the car. And like I tried to play it off, put my hand over the phone so he couldn't see me. Man, that man got right behind me. Soon as he hit the lights, I hit the gas. Boom. I started taking off, so I made it all back by the country road and just so happened. Man, I hope I ain't incriminate myself, but look, I had some rocks. I had some dope. I had like, man, I think I had like, I had like nine grams of rocks that was all chopped up. And that's like almost a half an ounce. So, uh. Now, this is 17, 18. Yeah, I just made 18. You just made 18. Yeah, I just made 18. Now, you already got the home invasion. Yep. Signed the paperwork for your probation. Yep. Right back in there. So yeah. you, you're right back into this life. So at any point did you say to yourself, man, okay, enough is enough? No, no. the story keeps no. going. Like on that, on that matter of fact, in a day, well, when I was, uh, when I was on the run, that day when I, uh, where I turned on Cooley Kenny Road, and that's the road I had my accident on. That's the road I lived off of that road. When I turned off of that road, I threw all my stuff in a ditch, but I kept going. I was trying to get away. I ended up flipping my little sister car on that same, same road. road. Wow. Yeah, I ended up flipping that car, the top of the car, landed on the uh, ground, and I remember jumping out. I ran, they had a sugar cane field. I made it all the way to my house. And, uh, so on that same road, you yeah. flipped your little sister's yes. car. Totally, totally, totally. It was total. Yep, my little sister car. Wow, man! Not, not looking back, hindsight being twenty twenty. Yeah. Do you see the signs and the the oh the, yeah the, the the things in your path that God was setting up? Very. So what 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 was it that said you know after coming out after all of this stuff is happening? What is the draw that's taking you back to that environment? Okay, well, I went to... So, after that, when I flipped and the people caught me and stuff, I went to jail and uh, I was 18. And that's... I had to... Because I had to back up my probation, my suspended sentence. It was a five-year suspended sentence I had. So, I had to do four years off of that five. Mm. So, now I go to prison. And I was scared. Yeah. Wow. So now you're in prison. Yeah, yes. now I'm in prison. At 18. Yeah. Yes. And you got to serve four years. Yeah. Wow. So what What are you thinking, Mom? Now, oh now, now all of this young. stuff is, is going on. You. I'm scared because he's going to prison, you know, with all these older guys, you know. Um, I felt like he always looked at him like a baby, you know. Uh, so I just felt like, man, Travis is 
who I, I'm going to just be scared all the time. But it just so happened that I had a brother that was there. And uh, he knew, where he say every day, what day do they bring the, uh, the new uh, prisoners? Oh, uh, man, I don't remember. It's like a, a cer- Monday or It's something. a certain day. So he say every day he would go to that spot to see if, you know, if Travis would come by. And sure enough, one day, and he hadn't seen Travis in years because he had mm. been gone. So he really didn't know what he was looking. He knew what Travis looked like, but just to call and say, that's Travis right there, he couldn't have done that because that's how long it had been since he had seen him. But he said, then he called his name. And yeah, then as soon as we see each other, we, they we, knew. we knew, you know, because I knew what he looked like. And he was just waiting for me on the walk. So it was like, so by him being there, and he was there probably like 12, 13 years at the time. So he was well-respected and well-connected around the prisoners. So that kind of like that helped me, me out. That gave me you know a what I'm saying? Confidence. Like he looked out for me. So and different people knowing him, they looked out for me. So like all now, that. Is this the same prison that your dad went to? No. Oh, my your dad, dad went to the feds. feds. He went to the feds. Yeah, this was the state. Okay. Now what mm. prison was it? My dad went to Oakdale. I was in Allen Correctional. Oh, okay, That's I got in you. Kinder, Louisiana. Okay. I got you. I got you. So you're a four year. You served the entire four years. No, I got a year of good time. I got my classes. I was in uh, anger management. I uh, and a few substance abuse. I did a few classes. Like it was three months each, and I got a year of good time. Okay. So I served thirty seven months total. Thirty seven months. So three years. So now yeah. you're twenty one. Yeah, I was 21 when I, a matter of fact, I came home seven days before my birthday, okay. November 5th. So you're coming out 21. Yeah. You know, been in jail now for three years, you know, and experienced all these highs and lows in life. What's your outlook coming out of prison? So what, are, I'm getting ready to do what now? I've served three years. Yeah. I'm getting ready to do what now? I'm getting ready to go back to school. I'm finna lead this life alone. What's your outlook leaving leaving the prison? What you getting ready to do? Okay, well the main part, uh, well a main part I've been leaving out is like I've been rapping since I was six. So all up until that time, I always wanted to be a rapper. Even when I jumped in the streets like 17, you know, Buster was rapping, and Buster had the city popping. He was the first youngin' like in our city that was doing shows, videos, mm. and had everybody looking up to him. So, and I really was, I am shy. Like with people I don't know, I don't really just open up this well. So he was like, he knew that I was rapping, so he was like, man, come get on a song. So when he did that, that kind of opened me up because I, I, I would have never did it on my own. So all that played a part into it. So so when I was in prison, man, man, I still got about like four tablets mm-hmm. full of raps. So my thing was, my outlook was coming out of prison is, man, I'm about to rap. Mm-hmm. I'm about to make it. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to do whatever I can do to get to where I need to be. That was my whole outlook. So you was getting ready to use music now. Yeah. So he's gonna leave. Now is it music and the street life, or are you gonna say I'm doing music and leaving the street life? No, it was. To me, it was music, but I needed the street life because I didn't have the money, and that music man, you had to take a lot of money. To yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. So Thanks. that was. So that really was my whole goal is just to get this money. And just make it with this rapping. That way, like, I ain't got to sell dope no more. And my family, all my people don't got to sell dope no more. Like, that was my whole plan, like, from young, like, to do that. That was my whole goal. It's the way we don't have to do this no more. So you're coming out and you want to get into the rap game now. 
So now you're out. What is that life looking like? All right. I was uh, I met a girl in work release because I went to work release like during like the last year I had to serve. I ended up getting kicked getting, out of work yeah. release, but I, I was about to fight with my manager because he started disrespecting me behind another female that started liking me and he liked her. So he started handling me bad and then one day like my temper, I just like, I talk with my hands as you know and so I was like man hold up like I ain't even cursed him out I was like man but look check this out this is my manager I'm talking to I'm like man look you ain't gonna disrespect me like that like I'm still a man like you know I'm a prisoner and all that so I got fired cause of that and I thought I was gonna get another job cause usually they give you another job but man them people boy they weren't giving me no another job them people were sending me back right to back. prison so yeah and just so happened I'm thinking it's good because I was smoking weed and doing some boxing strips at the time. So when I go back to my uh, facility to work release, I bring me a little bud of weed to smoke when I get back. I ain't know they about to take me to jail. So when I get in there, man, a man handcuffed me. I'm like, what? I'm thinking I'm about to get another job. He like, oh, no. So they search me, man. They find the weed. So I damn near caught a whole nother charge. Yes. But they didn't wow. charge me, though. They end up, well, I think they charged me like a misdemeanor, but, like, they end up throwing it away because nothing never really happened. But I end up, I met a girl, and uh, so by me and her, like, you know, and then I, well, I had a phone and work release, so, you know, we stayed in contact, and, like, she kind of, she kind of started taking over my heart. Like, she started, so I just feeling her. And then, like, we lost contact because I lost my phone. But I ended up getting, they had phones in Ireland. So I got one, one where I had to go to the cell blocks in Mars for a few months once I got back to prison from violating and all that. So once I get back in the population, I get a phone. I get back in touch with girl. Now, she writing me, put money on the phone, so everything. So I go home looking forward to her. And uh, the day I go home, I remember she come pick me up. In seven days, matter because my birthday, I got home November fifth, November fifth, two thousand sixteen. I came home, and my birthday is November twelfth. So she surprised me on November twelfth. She took me to the studio, and then I recorded my first song. Mm. And then the name of my first song I recorded was called Righteous. Mm. So it was really awesome, you know, because in, in jail, like I was really man. I was getting in tune with I was getting in tune with God. He was showing me all kind of stuff and it was just amazing. So that happened and uh so yeah. And so, that was in two thousand sixteen. That was in two thousand sixteen. Okay, so you are twenty one years old in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, okay. and I just made twenty two on November fifth. You just made twenty two. I mean November twelfth yeah. I made. So Nick, you're twenty two years old. Okay. And and Travis, I think I think for the for the viewers and the listeners at home when when you know when God deals us a hand you know we got two options either play it or throw the, the hand back in yeah. and a lot of people kind of get frustrated and you know life's not this life's not that and kind of throw up their hands and try to do something else you've gone through a lot of roads a lot of ups and downs at just 22 years old mm-hmm. okay you got a lifetime of experience at just 22 you're looking back hindsight and you can see God saying, okay, stop, hold on. You got your mom over here. Stop, hold on. But in all of those things that you went through, none of that was able to pump the brakes. It was my drive for music, making it. It was your music drive. Yeah, that it was just the purpose in it. Like, 
the purpose I, I felt like it's just it was so strong it's just a force that I still have today with this music it's just so strong it's like it ain't nothing I could sleep on or ever throw it away cause I've been wanting this since I was six years old at six years old like man I I, I pretended like I feel like I was started rapping. I had the mic in my hand, and I could still see this to this day. Man, I just seen like nothing but the lights. Like I, it's like just a vision I had, just like a big old stadium, and I was just there. And I, and I just I felt that my whole life growing up. That's what I wanted more than anything. What I still want, like it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just that. It's just that purpose, like right there. And uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't really in the streets because I had this girl, but she was a stripper, so uh, like she was showing me different parts of life, and like I didn't have, I wasn't hustling in the streets. Now I'm hustling in the strip clubs. Mm. Like she's showing me different. I'm going to different parts of Louisiana, going to Texas with her, like meeting different people. Like she's showing me a different aspect of life. But just so happened, man, one day we coming back from New Orleans and uh, truth be told, I'm about to have my first threesome that night. We coming back with another girl and uh, but man, we had like we had 70, I think 70 Roxies, like five grams of Molly, two ounces of weed. Mm. We had a pistol that she told me she she t took it out of car. It was really like I got the pistols in her name, but uh, one of them at Jam, we got two of them, two lit Taurus, four Fardis, whack. But uh, one of them at Jam, and she told me, she told me she took them out of the car. And so, like, I'm thinking, you know, we don't have nothing. Now, but this was her car, and I was telling her from, see, I learned this in jail, because, you know, when we violating, we keep everything, like, like I, them boxer briefs used to keep everything. Man, I'm exposing a lot of information. I don't even want to do all that. Well, yeah, that. don't do all yeah, that. Yeah, I ain't going to do all that. No, you didn't do all that. I, I want to get to, I want to get to what's getting ready to come up, the two-year anniversary. Yeah. Because something very, very traumatic happens um, in your life almost two years ago. Yeah. Now, now walk us to that day. What what happened on, on that day? Man, that day is just... Man, it was... It just wasn't good. It's like... It's like, man, nothing was working out. It's like I'm in the streets, I'm hustling, I'm not prevailing. And like the people I got around me, like they doing, they prevailing, but ain't nobody helping me out. Like everybody just like, you know, they giving me this little bit, but it ain't really doing nothing for me. And like, I'm sure they knew that day. It was like really, I guess all for they self thing. And it's, uh, and like, I'm just angry. Cause I'm like, man, truth be told, I'm like, man, it's like, it's like, I'm like, man, I'm like, just who I am. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so, and then I'm, me and my baby mama, like, we just had a toxic relationship. She pregnant with my son. And I'm really just trying to like, man, like, like I said, I'm still trying to make it with music. I'm trying to get out this black hole I'm in. And I'm really just digging deeper, 
the hole just getting deeper and deeper. Like the more I'm in the streets doing wrong, but really trying to make it right. And I'm talking about the whole time I've been in the streets. Like, man, I'm praying to God. Like, I'm just, I'm like, man, please, like, man, change my life. Because, mm. like, this ain't looking good. This ain't feeling good. It's like, man, I done had suicidal thoughts. But I'm like, man, I got a child. I can't kill myself. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so mad and so hurt. I'm just like, man, anybody play with me, man, they dead. Like, for real. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and at the time, like, I was so corrupted. It was like, I wanted me one. Like, because that's what, that's what we look up to. Like, you know what I'm saying? We look up to, okay, you got bodies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You somebody to be, I wanted me one. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it just, it wasn't good. So I remember just coming down that road. My uh, baby mom was behind me. She was pregnant with my son, like four months pregnant or something. We was about to change vehicles. And uh so and I was I was I was full of Roxas, but I was full of some Roxas and I you know that that was my thing. I had been on Roxas like that whole week. And so uh but like the thing about that is like I could drive like you know, I had been used to drugging, so like it's not like, you know, I was just all where I couldn't under the I, I like I was I was impaired or nothing. Cause I could drive good on drugs, like you know what I'm saying, but I didn't have no seatbelt because of the type of life I was living. In a, in a given moment, I might have to hop out the car and run. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I never had a seatbelt. So man, I don't know how, bro. What are the eyes like, man? And and when you like drive down the road and see all these trees, you understand what I'm talking about. When you come to that curve and you can't see what's coming on the other side of the curve, and by you know as the country they got the sugarcane fields. Like I said, they have them tractors that come down this road a lot. Them concubine tractors with them big mm. things in the front. So, uh, man, what are the eyes? Me and the tractor meet at the curve, and like. So I, and then it got two big ditches on the side of the road. So it's not like it's just land to where you could go straight. Yeah. It's a ditch, two big ditches. So I just hurry up and try to swerve out the way of the uh, tractor, but like not going to the ditch because I'm doing the speed limit like 40 miles per hour down the road. But I'm so used to this road. This is my home road. I'm doing about 60. I do this all the time. Mm. So when me and that tractor met at the curb, I hurry up. I try to like swerve out the way and like swerve back on the road. And just the momentum, I guess the momentum acceleration force, man, it started flipping. Wow. The thing started flipping. And I don't know how, but man, I come straight out the vehicle and I just remember being in the air and was like thinking like, man, like my life really about to end like this. So you can, you you remember this. I remember this. And what's crazy though, I felt like I was on another road. Like this might be the drugs, the trauma, the uh, endorphins they say, because doctors told me like, you know, when you're going through something like this, like a near-death experience, they like the dopamines, yeah, like yeah. all this stuff get released. I guess it's just the way our bodies. It really was like help, cause man, cause all I remember thinking is I'm in the air, and I'm like, man, I'm about to end my life like this. Like, and I thought about my little boy. I'm like, man, I'm not even gonna get to see my son. But like, crazy thing is, I wasn't scared. I was just like, I was just like thinking, like, man, I'm about to. 
Like, I'm not ready to die, though, but I was relaxed. I swear, I always tell people it felt like I was in somebody's arms, like like, like I was a baby, mm. like, and it had to be God. Because, like, right before I hit the ground, like, I didn't feel no pain during my accident. And right before I hit the ground, I didn't even hit the ground. It's like everything went black before I hit the ground. Like, I didn't even feel none of that. And, like, they say, like, I could kind of remember, like, like, waking up. And telling the people, like the police officer, like, man, can you help, like, get me up? But I only remember that after people telling me that. And, like, they, they airlifted me to a helicopter. I don't remember the helicopter. I don't remember none of that. And Wow. So, so Mama, that's a lot. Wow. So you get the call. Yeah. Well, first of all, that week. Uh, of the accident, I was actually in Abbeville that Sunday, which was Father's Day at that time. And Travis, I mean, he just was on a war path. I mean, he just, I couldn't talk to him. Usually I could talk to Travis and Corman now. You know, I couldn't talk to him. Uh, his dad, I remember me, his daughter, me, my daughter, and his dad was by my grandma's house. And uh, we all, we was trying to have, I guess, like some kind of intervention kind of thing for Travis. But uh, he, he, he wasn't having it. He wasn't having it. He kept telling his daddy he wanted him to help him. And that's all he wanted before he hurt somebody. He, need, he felt like his daddy needed to help him. Mm. And I'm just looking at him like, Travis, calm down. But he didn't care about nothing. It was no respect for me. It was nothing. He looked like a demon or something, wow. you know. And so after I left Abbeville, I remember that whole week just thinking, man, Travis is going to hurt himself. He's going to hurt somebody. Now, you something. felt that. I felt that. Because when he didn't look the same, when I saw him that Sunday, he did not look the same. So I felt like something terrible was about to happen. And I was tired of going visit the, uh, the prisons. Oh mm. my God, I didn't visit so just back and forth, back and forth visiting the prisons. I was like, man, I don't want to do that. I'm tired of doing that. And I told him too. I said, you go back to jail. I'm not going visit. Mm. I'm not going. I'm tired of that. But anyway, so uh, I was like, Lord, he either gonna get killed, somebody, uh, or he's gonna kill somebody, or he's gonna go to jail for the rest of his life. And I was like, Lord Jesus, just stop him. Please stop him before anything like that. Please now, stop him. Now, this is a week before the accident yes. you're having this conversation. Yes, I'm praying and asking God. And I'm praying and asking God because I'm looking at my son, and he don't look the same. He don't look the same at all. Now, this is, uh, I find this, um, and, and we discussed this um, um, a little bit a few days ago. This is a week leading up to the accident. Um, the mother's intuition is going in all different directions. All these signs are happening. And you pray to God for God to stop him, to save him. Yes. And then a week later, this happens. Six days later. Six days later. Because ha that happened that Friday. And so when you get the call, what's going through your head? Well, when I get the call, the, the call that I get is... Uh, Where's Travis? And she was on the way to Louisiana. Yeah. I'm on my way to Louisiana. I get the call. They're telling me that, uh, because nobody even knew that he had flipped. They thinking his grandma gets to her house, and she's thinking that, uh, well, she saw the police down the road or yeah. whatever. So when she saw that and she saw the white truck, 
she we was like, oh, Travis, the police then busted him. You know, the, the, we thinking the police is there. Uh, that's why all the police mm-hmm. is around. But she couldn't get to the scene first uh, at that time, so she wasn't sure. And when they called me, I'm like, Lord, yes, the police then got him. Because I'm thinking about how he was that yeah. week. So I'm like, yes, the police got him. Oh, my God. And then uh, it wasn't long after that that my daughter called me. And uh, I really, really, I can't really remember what she was saying. But she was like, we're going to the hospital. Travis is there. I don't. I don't know if she told me he's not going to make it. I don't know what. But I know the next call I got was from a nurse at the hospital. And she was like, Mrs. Scott, you know, your son Travis Davison is here. Um, I guess someone had told her I was on my way down there. She was like, whenever you get to Louisiana, you need to come straight to Lafayette General where your son is at. And I was like, well, what's going on? She's like, I can't. You know, say nothing over the phone, but I want you to come straight to the hospital. And in the meantime, my daughter's calling me again to tell me that they're calling them to the conference room at the Mm -hmm. hospital. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, which is never good. Yeah, I say, oh, my God, he he was not going to make it or whatever. And um, so they're telling me, whenever she called me back, she was trying to explain his injury that he had. I didn't know anything about that. Uh, my husband is driving. He's a, a therapist, and he said, as I was repeating what, what, what Travis, what they call his level of injury, he knew it wasn't good. Mm. He knew it wasn't good, but I still couldn't comprehend it. Um, and I know when I got to the hospital, I could remember Travis in ICU, and I'm not sure what these weights or whatever they they have holding mm-hmm. the back of their neck, but I remember him saying, it's heavy, Mom, it's heavy. Please get them to take it off. It's heavy. And I was like, man, can somebody help him? Can somebody take this off for him? But you don't remember that, huh? No, I kind of. He kind of remember. But then um, after that, it's like Travis was out. He was out after that, and he stayed out by two weeks. By so, Mom, can I ask you a, a very—it's uh, not strange in my mind. Um, you know, Deuteronomy 29, 29 said the secret things belong to God. But as you, that week before leading up to the accident, and you're praying to God, do you believe that in some kind of strange way that God answered that prayer? I know he did. I know he did. And, and even even in this manner— I know he did. I know he did. I always say now that you really have to be specific on what you pray <laughs> what for. What you pray for, right? Because I told Travis, you know, later we would laugh about it. I say I asked God to stop you, but I, I didn't know he was going to send you to me to take wow. care of, you know. But he, he stopped him. I know that was him. I, I know that was so now, him. So now, Travis, you're—and I want you to spend some time— um, one minute you are free, walking, enjoying life to the best of whatever. The next minute you wake up to a whole new reality. Man. And I'm right there by. So what 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 is that? How, what's what's going on when you wake up? Man, I feel like I lost everything. I feel like I lost everything. Like. How I'm going to live like this, like, 
what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I remember asking my mom, like, how I'm going to live like this and started crying. And like, she just hugged me. Hey, and I thank God for Tasha Cobbs because she put on that song. He knows my name. And I swear that song just gave me so much. That was my first time ever hearing that song. And that song really got me through that hump right there. That got me through. I swear we cried and hugged and just listened to that song. Man, just that God's spirit, man, just that right there got me through that little hump. And just to keep on and keep fighting through the hospital and keep doing whatever, whatever they'll tell me to do, I'll do it. And the thing about the hospital is, man, man, that hospital right there, usually, see, man, the doctor I had was supposed to do my surgery that same week after I was awoke. And I guess it was due to I didn't have no insurance. I was getting on Medicaid. He kept prolonging my surgery. He kept saying this and that. This why we can't do it. So it's like a month and a half go go on. I got this halo on my head. Had this big device. Mm-hmm. I got screws mm-hmm. and all that. I got scars from it. I had it on so long. I got scars all on my neck and on my back. And for a month and a half, he been telling, prolonging me. A month and a half, he ended up dropping my case. He don't even want nothing to do with my case no more. And the doctor that picked my case up that same day did my surgery that same night. So everything he was saying, it was really just, wow. he just didn't want to do it. And the thing about the parish is, it's really so like, I'm going to say corrupted because they so in, they so tied in with each other. We couldn't even get no case off of that. Like, ain't no way we would have even, you know. And all it had to do with, like, you know, my 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 recovery. Because the faster they do your surgery and you get into therapy, the better you got a chance at recovering. Like, the more quicker. So all that had to play a part. I had to lay in that bed with that halo for that long and just... At first, I had this big wound on my uh, butt from uh, ICU for two weeks, them not turning me. So mm-hmm. that's that was the reason he said he couldn't do it, because they had to keep me on uh, antibiotics and mm-hmm. everything. But the doctor that ended up doing it that same night, he had me on antibiotics and did it. So it was just crazy. And like, so what do you? So, so Travis, you you how old are you around at the, at the time of the accident? You were twenty four. You're twenty four years old. You're you're a twenty four year old young man. You got a son on the way. Um, and you're waking up to a completely different world, a completely different world. Was there was there anger? Was there? I mean, what? I know that there was confusion. You yeah. got your mom right there by your side. Praise God for that. Praise God. But as you are looking at this moment now that you have to adjust to, you know what's going on. Like, I understand the doctors and and what he did, but now you have to live life. Yeah. And, and so what what's going on in your head as you are now faced with this brand new thing that you've never seen before? When he woke up, the first thing he kept saying was, Mama, I can't feel my legs. Mama, I can't mm. feel my legs. He repeated that back to back so many times. Mama, I can't feel my legs. Mama, I can't feel my legs. And then he was like, Mama, my baby. Wow. So the first thing was, Mama, I can't feel I my can't legs. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs. And the second thing he was. He had no idea what was going on. Wow. He had no idea 
what he was waking up to. He probably at that time didn't even know he could he couldn't move his hands. I guess he was just trying to move his legs. And it was just like shocking. Mama, I can't move my legs. Mama, I can't move my legs. You know what I'm saying? It repeating it over and over and over. Hysterical is what he was. So what was that moment when you couldn't feel your legs? Man, I just I can't feel my legs like I'm like, man, what, what I'm going to do? Like, you know, I can't move. I can't. Man, I was an energetic pro- I couldn't sit still, first yeah, of all. Yeah. And I, I used to love to dance. Like, I used to love to run, like, jump. Like, I'm a performer. Like, I like to move. I like to, you know, I like to, you know, just everything. Like, man, how I'm going to provide. Like, mm. Who gon' you know? And now that I need all this help, I already knew, man. Ain't nobody gonna really want to be around me, help. Cause, and then I could understand, especially the type of life I was living and the people I was around. It was fast, so I already. It's like I already kind of sense had a sense of like what I was gonna go through before I even went through it. Like all the people that was gonna really not really want nothing mm. to do with me. Cause it's really more you gotta help take care of me when you're around me. Thing I might need some. help help but like you know I thank God man just everything is it's been getting better but yeah at that time man I was like I was like I just had so much fear of everybody leaving me like even mm-hmm. my baby mama like I was like man I just felt like she wasn't gonna want to do this like and it's just you know I was like man my son like man what I'm gonna do like how, how I'm gonna raise my son like this like I can't even really do for myself what I'm gonna be able to lose and then the fact that like I'm just like thinking man like I can't even pick my little boy up mm. I can't even play with him like you know what I'm saying I can't even go outside throw a ball you know and do all this and that but Man, hey, I ain't gonna lie. We done overcame all that because I done figure out ways. Hey, when we had him, I used to put him on that chair, ride with him. He'll fall asleep. And now, like, I got my music, and he loved my song. Oh, Oh, boy, when I play my song, he do the roll him and the roll him. (laughs) Hey, and he start turning up. So, like, it's like other ways God showed me I could raise my son, even disciplining him. Like, when he be bad, like, it's not. I remember him laying in the bed. And he liked to he liked to hit a tiger and a lion roar, <laughs> so we do rah together. But see, when I do it, it's a certain way I do it. When I do it loud, when I do rah, he gets scared. So when he do something bad, like like he'll hit me <laughs> or he'll do something, I do it loud, and he he gets scared. He be like my me, yeah. my me. So like God just show you all kind of different ways to do stuff and like. And to raise them, but you know, I'm trying to get them right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't have them right now currently because just how things is, like, you know, I can't really provide. I, I still need a lot of help in a lot of areas, but we getting there. We, we getting are. there. We slowly getting there. It's yeah. just. It's just every step, keep putting one foot forward and just keep fighting and, man, keeping God first and God making it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, God this making is, this, it happen. This is why when I heard your testimony uh, Sunday before last that I'm captivated by it because we got to get to the God part now. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Travis, there are so many similarities that uh, uh, my brother, uh, God bless his soul, went to be with the Lord two years ago. Uh, my brother was a twin. My mother was punched in the stomach when she was nine months pregnant, mm. which caused Eric, the twin, to be stillborn. And Derek, who lived, uh, was born with several physical ailments. So he was um, a quadriplegic. He 
um, never walked a day in his life. He was blind. He couldn't speak. Um, so he was confined to a wheelchair. He needed constant help 24 hours a day. Um, and God, you know, took him to glory um, July of 2018. Mm. Um, and that's my brother. <clears throat> so when I hear the similarities, when I saw you up there, excuse me, um, a week and a half ago, that was an automatic connection because I'm in that life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very familiar, very familiar with that life. All of the, the sacrifices that people have to make, people love you. They, it requires people that really love you mm-hmm. to step up to the plate. So when I saw your testimony, I was intrigued because I want to hear the but God. Oh, yes. Okay, so you're in this situation right now. Um, and unless God, by his sovereignty, changes the situation, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. What is God doing in your life right now? What's the outlook on your views with God, considering where you are right now? What is God doing? All right. So it just so happened, man. Now, music is my love. That's my passion. And, you know, I thought I thought I lost everything. I didn't know how I was going to rap from a wheelchair. I didn't know what I was going to rap about because this life. I'm like, man, who want to hear about this? Like, I wasn't happy. But now, man, just so happened, my sister boyfriend, a rapper. And, like, so, and I never really, this was my first time meet him in his wheelchair. So he coming around and he kind of connected through the city. He kind of doing his thing. And so, uh, his name Milo. So, uh, and like just seeing him come around, that was inspiring. Mm-hmm. And just knowing like, you know, we could talk, rapper talk and just, you know, it kind of giving me those vibes. And he set it up to where like I could go to the studio one day. He set everything up for me. So I'm like, man, this is amazing. But at that time, I wasn't doing too good. It's like I was just overwhelmed. I was just depression, depression, anxiety. That night I was going to the studio. I didn't know what I was going to rap about. And then I was getting into it with my baby mama, me and my daddy getting into it. So it's like I told my mama it was like six o'clock at night. I wanted to get back in you my bed. I didn't want to go to the studio because I didn't have nothing. Like, what am I going to? My mom was like, man, just go. So I just went. I knew his love for rap. Yep. If he could just get to the studio, that atmosphere, that, that he would mm-hmm. feel so much better. Yep. And just, just it was good vibes. And I remember looking through a beat, and I was like, man, that beat right there, the song for Still Here. Mm-hmm. I was like, that beat right there, that's that beat. And I didn't know what I was going to rap about yet. I was in a manual chair. So in a manual chair, we got to do pressure relief where we lay on our legs. Because we didn't have the van and all this stuff yet. So so I lay on my legs, and when I lay on my legs, I say a prayer. I'm like, God, I'm like, man, just give me something. I don't know what to do. I'm like, just give me something to say. Like, give me something. So when I, I got up, and like I thought about what I was going to say, man, tears started coming to my eyes. Because the first thing I thought about was, What's the reason I'm still here? Because mm. I really wanted to know. I really wanted to, why am I still here? Yeah. Like, for real, though, like, for real. That was a real question. Yeah, like, like for why real, am I for still real, here? for real, for real. So, and tears started coming to my eyes. So, after that, 
man, I just said everything. Everything just was a freestyle coming from the heart. Because now I'm emotional like so this. So still here is a freestyle? <coughs> yeah, it's a whole freestyle. <laughs> yeah, right right. Like everything just came from the heart. Like, you know, I took my time because I'm like, yeah, this okay. This, this, uh, this is it. And that, that's how that came about. So now I'm still here. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, man, because as you're looking at where you are right now, how do you think God is using you in this moment, man? How, what, what is God doing in your life at this very moment? Man, I really think, man, God, God is doing a whole lot. Like, and I'm going to tell you the truth, man. It's like I've been doing a lot of fasting. And this took a whole, whole lot of prayer. And I'm talking about a whole lot of courage. And like, and I pray for all these things, for God to give me all this. And it's like sometimes, it's like I don't even be knowing I be fasting. I just, it's just, that's just how my days be going. I guess he be having me doing that for a reason. But, man, just from making that song, and like getting a response from people, like man, people done I don't watch people cry listening to that song. Like just the inspiration. Just and I pray, like I pray that my music become like a form of medicine. Like that is it become a form of healing for people all across the world. Cause that's what I plan to do. I plan to inspire. I plan to let people know, man, no matter what you're going through right now, it's not over. Man, I guarantee. Just tap in with God. Cause that's our first and foremost, that's our creator, that's our father, it's really our everything. And man, just tap in because he already know everything you going through. And, like, man, once you tap in and just talk to him like this, like how I'm talking to y'all <laughs> right now about everything, yeah, man, that's all he want. And he going to start showing you how amazing. He going to show you that he could do anything, mm -hmm. that anything is possible, Matthew 19, 26. But with God, anything is possible. And he going to show you that, I guarantee, because he's showing me right now. And, like, I'm seeing it, like, just all this. Like, come on, I never would have thought this would have came about. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Like, I'm doing a whole podcast yeah, right on, now. Man. Like, come on, man, praise yeah. God, hallelujah praise God. for that. <laughs> yeah. For real, for real. Yeah. So, Mom, let me ask you. So, now you see your, you see your son. You prayed that prayer. Mm -hmm. And little did you know that God was going to answer the prayer in that way. Yes. But now the prayer has been answered. How are you feeling? What's God doing in your life through all this? Well, I'm so busy, you know, with him being in the hospital that long. I really was away from home. You know, uh, good thing I have a, a good husband that Thank supported God for me him. because yeah. I Kenneth was gone. Scott. <laughs> I was gone, you know. I was with Travis at the hospital. And then he went to the rehab, you know, rehabilitation in New Orleans. So I was away from home from June, July, August. Until I, we brought Travis home October 13th. So pretty much I would go home sometimes, but from the accident, June 21st, I was pretty much living in Louisiana again. Wow. Yeah. I, I just left my whole life. My whole life was turned around. My husband's life was turned around. Everything. But I, I had to be with Travis, and he understood that I needed to be with Travis. And um, just... I had no idea when we get home, though, how much it required uh, uh, physically, 
mentally, oh my God, it, it, whew, they, I had no idea. You know, you're in the hospital, so you have the nurses helping. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's this and that. Just no idea when I get home how hard it is. Man, he even went home with that wound, and they had to release him from the rehab. I didn't know how I was going to take care of that wound. I think it's like a stage three or whatever, you know, but the nurses told me what to do. Man, I did all of that. I did all of that by myself. Where his girlfriend, his baby mama, she also had moved with us for a little while, so she would help me as well. But getting up at night, turning him every two hours, feeding him. I mean, Travis needs total assistance. He cannot do nothing, you know, and that's hard. That's hard. He finally, you know, we have a caregiver, but it it took like six months before Mm -hmm. we could get that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even with the caregiver, it's still hard. It's still hard. So, like I said, God did answer my prayers. You know, I didn't know it was going to be that tough. But lately, I have been seeing firsthand what God is doing. Yeah. I've been seeing doors open for Travis. I know it's nobody but God. Because like he said, look where we at right now. Mm. Travis been trying to do this his whole life. He's <laughs> been trying to do this his whole life. Yeah, come on, man. And we see that help. We see people starting to want to help. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... That's how I know it's God, you know, because... And it's a blessing, because, like, not to cut you off, Mom, I'm sorry, but it's such a blessing, because, man, hey, man, I don't care who don't believe me, but right now, man, I live a better life than I ever lived (laughs) in my whole life. I done met the best people I ever met. This accident is truly a blessing. My goodness. Man, thank God for this, man, for real, for real. My goodness. (laughs) Man. Man, Travis, you just said thank God for this. For real, he for real. He said it all the time. Oh, my goodness, man. My goodness. Man, for real. Let me tell you something, man. From the bottom of my heart, brother, from the bottom of my heart, uh, Travis, I am this guy that life is going to deal with you, some challenges, some struggles, some some obstacles, and everybody's got them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for me to say that my struggle is more severe than yours mm-hmm. or you know, don't look. Everybody's got a struggle, and different people deal with it in different, different ways. Mm-hmm. But I do believe this from the bottom of my heart, man, that God loves us so much that He understands and He allows certain things to happen, not for our detriment, not to kill us, not to you know put us under this to put, it, but He He allows certain things in our lives to better us, mm-hmm. and in in the moment. It doesn't make sense. Like, it, it literally doesn't make sense Don't. of why God would allow something like this to happen. But it's not until after you start coming out of it, yeah. you're able to look back. Yeah. Because had it not been for that, would I be too far saying that he wouldn't be here he right now? Oh, no, I wouldn't be this Travis be. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be this. I wouldn't know this Travis. Mm-hmm. It wasn't no way out. Like, it wasn't no way out. It, it was a... Man, it was like a one-track mind. It's, that's all I seen. That's all I knew. And then I was trying to get a job. None of that worked. I gave up on that. Like, I couldn't, man. It, it, it wouldn't have been this Travis who I am today. And I'm glad, like, because I'm loving the man I'm becoming. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> and, the, and the man, like, to be able to raise my son this yeah, way, like, I'm loving man. this. Well. And it's a fight every day. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but... 
man, I thank God. Like, like that's the winning, like just being on his side, that's the winning side. I know that. I know that's victory. And I know one thing I tell people this all the time, man. But first, I want to thank God for all the people that was praying for me. I had a whole lot of people praying for me, and I thank God for that. Mm -hmm. But I tell people all the time, man, the real victory is in death. That's where you're going to get the real reward. But you got to fight. And you know we get these small little rewards like this to help us keep going. And like Pastor August say, the storms is to strengthen us. So I, I see basically in life you get storms and rewards. You know, the storms is to strengthen us and the rewards is to keep us going. But like the real victory is in death. It's like, so, man, you got to get it together, like, and for real. And, like, man, just tap in with God. It's a love thing. It's a love thing, man. It ain't, he ain't doing this, you know what I'm saying? He doing it. He did all this out of love, man. All this out of love. <laughs> man, I'm just, I, I just, um, um, this generation um, needs to hear this message, man. They need because um, I believe uh, I've, I teach this a lot, man. That the enemy is after our younger generation. Yes. Then, then he's after him. Um, Travis, I want you to look right there in that camera, and I want you. Uh, the the great thing about Studio B, man, and the platform that God has provided is that, man, we got from A to Z, and everybody in between that is a part of our viewership. So I'm talking young, I'm talking mid, I'm talking old, everybody from A to Z, white, black, uh, every color of the rainbow. So we have a broad spectrum and a broad, a broad reach. But I want you to look in your camera, man, and I want you to um, give your life story, encourage that person um, that may be walking. What would you tell that person right now considering all that you have been through in your life? I'm gonna tell you, that look, Satan is busy and God is real. And man, if you got people that love you, that's really there for you, man, appreciate that and do not take that for granted. Mm-hmm. And listen, if you got a dream, I promise you, God is the one to go to because that's who's going to make it possible. And like, challenges. That's going to come, and that's a good thing. Like, that's what's going to help you grow. If you're not being challenged, is that you're not growing. So appreciate that, too. Appreciate your struggles. Appreciate your hardships and everything, because it's just going to make everything better when the better start coming. And, like, man, but listen, man, God bless you, and I love you, Amen. and I'm here for you. And if there's anything I could do, you know, if you could reach out to me, you want to talk, you want me to pray, you want to run it, whatever you want to do, I'm here he for talk. you. Yeah. yeah, I can. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a real thing. It's a love thing with yeah. me, for real. So, so um, I want to go ahead now and plug this album that you have coming up that will be released on the 21st of June. Yeah. Today. Um, the date of my accident. The date of the accident, two yeah. years. Um, so tell us a little bit about that compilation. What 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 should the people be expecting when that album is released? Okay, a lot about what I've been talking about, like testimony, and it's a lot about that date. Everything leading up to that date, and everything that's kind of happening like now, you know. So 
it's just it's really just my testimony, my my testimony of my accident and how everything like what I was going through and like what I'm going through now and just how everything coming together. So it's just it's nothing but it's nothing but God involved. Just know that. Mm-hmm. For real, for real. But it's it's the truth. Yeah, it's definitely the truth. So and we're gonna actually plug a link um, and uh, to to that album release. And Mom, I want to ask you something. You have been um, one of the silent strengths in Travis' life through all of this. Mm-hmm. You you you've been there. Um, you've had to sacrifice a lot, as Travis would testify. You've had to sacrifice a lot. Yeah. Um, as you see God moving in your son's life, um, this is a much better version of oh, Travis. Yes. I can oh, see the yes. smile on your face. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, and oh, and yes. and to, to to God be the glory. To God be the to glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. But Mama, what would you encourage that person? Um, you've had to go through your own struggles. Oh yes. You got your own struggles oh, that yes. that um, that we can talk about. But how would you encourage that person that may be watching that uh, may be going through their own storms of life right now? You know, um, definitely, I would say. Like Travis said, if you have a good support system, please lean on them. Um, You're going to find that whenever you start doing good or living for God, people are going to, Mm. they're going to shy away from you. Mm. They're not going to want to be around you. Uh, Or if you ask too much of people, like right now, like a lot of times I need a lot of help. A lot Mm. of people have said, okay, I'll come and help you and this and that, but that goes away. Mm. That goes away. So I would just say, it's you know, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I would just say keep doing what you have to do. Uh, a lot of days I know it, it's not me. I mean, like when I think about who Alicia is, there's no way she could be doing this. It got to be God. Yeah. It's nobody but God because it's just no way Alisa could do this. But I, I get like through it. Too. I get through it. I get through it. Sometimes I'm so tired. I could just I just put my head on the table and Travis just be like, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, but I just I have to feed him. I have, you know, I have to do this. I can't just go to bed. Mm-hmm. I have to have the strength to do mm-hmm. the last little things at night and then go take care of myself or you know, like I said, and good thing I have a good husband that don't require me to just be, you know, just just demanding me to cook, clean, this mm. and that. You know, he understands what I have to do for Travis. Praise God. And praise I know God. I praise God. God for him, too, and I thank him. Because if it wouldn't be for him, we wouldn't even have a roof over our head. Because mm. I can't even work. I had to give all of that up. Mm-hmm. I had to give all of that up, you know, to take care of Travis. You know, and I used to think, Lord, how are we going to make it, you know, without income on my side. But, hey. He making it. <laughs> we he making, making it. Is good. And you know what? And I'm, and I'm not hungry. We're not struggling. Nope. You know, the, God provides. He provides. Um, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, much respect to how you have handled the situation, but more importantly, uh, to God be the glory for what he is doing in your yes. life. Um, to, to, to God be the glory Amen. for what he is doing in your life. Um your testimony is important because the Bible says that men are going to see our good works and give praise to our Father in heaven. Amen. So when men see what God is doing in your life and what God is mm-hmm. doing in your life, 
the praise and the honor does not go back to us. No. It goes unto him. So, Travis, I want to thank you, man. Um, we're going to do what we can do on this podcast to, to push uh, 619. We're going we're gonna to push that. Thank uh, you so we're much. We're going to push that. Um, as much as we possibly can, and I'm Thank really y'all. proud of him. Oh yeah, I'm well, really well, proud. I'm, I'm proud of him. Thank you. I'm really I'm, proud I'm, of him because I, you know, Thank listen, I know people that check out under much less circumstances, brother. They, you know, they tap out mm. under much less circumstances, and to see how you've gotten your footing back up under you, to see how you continue to fight, continue to strive, and continue to push forth in spite of. Mm is a glory unto God himself. And so I want to tell you, man, never stop telling your testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, get on the rooftops and scream it at the rooftops that God yeah. is good because yeah. I promise you something, driving. Uh, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the wonderful things that God has planned for those who love him. Mm-hmm. This is just the tip of the iceberg, brother. I yeah. believe um, that. You, you got some, some wonderful things coming up. And, man, I want to thank you and Mama um, just as an encouragement to you. Um, my mother, who was a single mother, sacrificed upon sacrificed upon sacrifice. Uh, I know the value of a great mom. And that's what I felt like in Louisiana, a single mother. A well, single you are mother. a great mom. I know. And God has blessed you, and God will allow what you have done, the seeds that you have sown, to come to pass. Mm-hmm. Don't get tired in doing good. Mm-mm. Don't get tired and doing good. When you're feeling like you're low and you need somebody to, to pray with you, you just need an ear to bounce something off on, give me a buzz. Yes, sir. Thank because you. Let, me, let me tell you, man, God is doing something in both of your lives. Yes, I believe that. God is doing something in both I of your lives. That. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Everybody, um, for those who know me, you know that this is very dear to me. Uh, you know, I got certain things that I stand on, certain things that are close and dear to my heart, this being one of them. I want to thank you again so much for joining us here on the set of Studio B. Uh, we do not take your viewership and your fellowship for granted. Um, we try to merge everyday life with what does the Bible say about it, and we pray um, that this podcast has given you some encouragement and that has strengthened you in your innermost being. Remember, no matter what you're going through, God is bigger than whatever you're going through. If God be for you, it's more than the world against you. Remember, mm-hmm. be informed, be empowered. Studio B, we'll see you next week.
fucking with it if it's pressure He fell back, he really need a helper How you just gonna leave him, how you left him? I really hope your exit really helped you How you just gonna leave him, how you left him? I really hope your exit really helped you This is the reason I'm still here Tell me what it really is Tell me how you really feel, how the fuck you not here Cause a nigga still here Met up at the same time at the curb, right there. So where right. you flipped over there? Wait, yeah, it was right there. Cause I tried to get out the way, and so they had two's coming this way Listen, like this. Dad, stop, 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 stop. You see them two trees right there? Yeah. Look, look, look. Look on OB side. Yeah. yeah. No, no, get the camera, Louis. Which one? Look, right over here. here. These two trees. Mm -hmm. Man, I landed in between them two. Oh, okay, trees. them two right there. Right, right. there, dog. Real talk. And the tractor kept going. Mm -hmm. And Jazz was behind me. She fucking ain't even seen me. She kept going.